This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! Thanks for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth, and this week my guest is, once again, the poetic critic, as we go and look at the 90-minute library of one James Carey. With her being on, you know she won't be too offensive. As for me, the worst we get is me calling Johnny Depp and Will Smith a twat, and you could say, well, that's an explicit term. Look, PBS was the one who gave me that term so just roll with it it's pg-13 otherwise let's just go and finish the class of trilogy and then we will get on with the show hold on to your butts previously on 94 chill the podcast the year 1999 anarchy has taken over the public schools of america why aren't you gentlemen in class today do you need me to spell it out for you? Every day, teachers fear for their lives. If you allow a student to gain control of a situation, the result is anarchy. Violence is at an all-time high. This is your last warning. But today... There's a substitute. That's a strange dude. Get in your seats, now! Discipline is necessary to maintain order. Order is necessary to prevent anarchy. Now class is dismissed, gentlemen. Programmed to teach. You like tormenting people? Designed to kill. Do you have some sort of military experience? Some. Built for maximum discipline. This is a very unstable unit. You're on permanent detention. Today, he's giving the ultimate test. And everyone will fail. I bet you got this whole area booby trapped, don't you? It's live and learn. What's happening out here? Or learn to die. Human beings are soft. They can't take their punishment. They don't make good soldiers. Class of 1999, part two. After all, rules are rules. The Substitute, coming from Cinetel Films. And I've just concluded Class of 1999 to The Substitute, which I believe is the first uh, zero on the tomato meter that I've actually seen. I'll have to do a little more research on that. Let's just remember that just means there's no positive reviews. It doesn't mean it's not mediocre. It doesn't mean it's totally offensive. And it's nowhere near either, I think, in the end, uh, night, Class 1984, Class of 1999, in terms of quality. Being a direct sequel to Class of 1999, you can't do this without the cyborg effects. But, to its credit, it comes off the story that lets you negate these by having, well, that's spoiler alert stuff, but basically... There is one teacher who's now just going from school to school, believed to be a battle droid from Megatech, who just goes and kills all the bad students and moves on to the next town. This time, he's come to a school where there's a teacher, well, and honestly, the only gang activity really is that there's a teacher who 
who is wants to testify against a attempted murderer and keeps being opposed because that would shake up the small little town. Fortunately for her, Sasha Mitchell from Step by Step and Kickboxers 2, 3, and 4 has arrived in town and he's taking out the trash. And it turns out to be more of something she's conflicted with than deterred by. It kind of addresses, we have evil students this time. This isn't like class 1999 where it's just kill a bunch of kids. We have a teacher who you're cheering on for killing the kids. Now the action is, there's actually some nice, I think, sequences of early on with um, Sasha Mitchell taking out, out little gang units. But once you get to the finale, which is supposed to be an ode to the gang wars of class of 1999, it kind of falls apart. It's still fun to see some of the old Vietnam-style kills. It's nothing really impressive, but you gotta appreciate the story. Sasha Mitchell only has two modes, goofy or stoic. Kind of works for him, and I can't say the other actors phoning in. It's not really worth your time, I suppose, but if you enjoyed Class of 1999, I think the curiosity will get the better of you, and it's not as bad as it's indicated to be. I think the moral of the trilogy is damn these white kids and their mass shootings because we've lost the entire concept of school exploitation features. Little Hands says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Hey, and thank you for coming back to 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth. If you feel that you need a better search term, Russ Stevens is the name. My Twitter account is at CatBusRuss if you want to follow me. And Letterbox is username CMDarth. So that sums me up. And my older sister, the poetic critic, that's the poetic critic, wants to sum up everything that is Jim Carrey, that is under 100 minutes so she's going to be quite thorough like that doctor from the big lebowski and that really sounds creepy bringing that up from my sister but hey this is somebody you inadvertently bought a hello kitty personal massager there's a long story behind that maybe if we get to the point where we can do patreon episodes we can joke about that so Otherwise, my life is going pretty well right now. It's almost to the, you know, when's the other shoe going to drop situation. So please come and distract me from that by volunteering your services to be on 90 for Chill, the podcast. If you have a movie theme director, actor, as long as we so, yeah, as long as we, as long as we focus on sub 100 minute material, I'm sure we can create some podcast gold. I'm not too urgent right now because I kind of like the vibe of having a personal episode every week of just me ranting about movies and having a guest every other week. So that's cool, but let's get this stuff in the can, all right? So thanks again for coming to the show, and I hope it impresses you. Always could use the subscriptions on your favorite podcast apps. Definitely could use the five-star reviews of your fellow podcaster i do reciprocate those reviews so let's screw up that algorithm for the sake of podcast kind 
Otherwise, if you want to talk trash about the show, do that at my Twitter, at CatBusRuss. If you want to be on the show, the email address is RussTheBus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Thanks again for coming, and hopefully we do a great job summing up the, I'd say, legendary career of the last movie superstar, one Jim Carrey. Thanks. Good morning, my rural chum. Mr. Dr. Robotnik. I'm going to give you five seconds to tell me where it is. Wait, don't hurt him. Ah! Road trip. This can't be happening to me. Oh my God, stop the car right now. What? The world's largest rubber band ball. We got to see it. No, this is not some fun family road trip. Eh, you're right. It was lame. Gift shop was cool, though. Whatever this creature is, I'm going to uncover the source of its power. Yeah. I just thought you might like a latte with steamed Austrian goat milk. Of course I want a latte. I love the way you make them. We gotta lay low. Let me show you how it's done. Hey, hey. So should we get out of here? Yeah, time to go. I always want to do this. Nailed it. Uh-oh. Let's go! Here comes the boom! How are you not dead? I have no idea! Oh! Give me a big fat break! That was an illegal left, by the way. Aw, oh, this one is cute. Let's keep him. Oh, come on! You've got car insurance, right? Why would you throw your life away for this silly little alien? Good time. He's my friend. Let's go! This is my power. And I'm using it to protect my friends. Let's go! Let's go! And welcome back to 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth. That's letterbox.com slash Darth. if you're looking to see what I am watching. With that said, I have the poetic critic on the other end of the conversation. And using her letterbox, that's letterbox.com slash the poetic critic. No underscores or any of that bollocks. I see how she spent her Friday, it looks like. So what have you did? Well, uh, I also saw the star numbers. So um, are you hoping for Taika Waititi to correct the summer of Goldblum? I I don't know. Actually, I only saw the movie this afternoon. Oh, okay. Well, I see it's the 11th. I was busy with some other stuff on the 10th. Well, I know you had Friday off, that's all. Yes, but I didn't, but everyone else was busy that day. Uh, okay. Couldn't leave, couldn't leave the house alone. Mm. So. Oh, you're not that far from, what, a two-mile walk? from? Not even two miles from well, that. Well, that's the thing, but otherwise the house would have been unoccupied. Yeah. So with that said, uh, if we're looking for security cameras, I could hook somebody up with some deals. <laughs> but uh, a little late on that, Memorial Day was a couple weeks ago. So, so 
not impressed though immediately by Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I mainly did the went to it because I did want to keep up with uh, the guys at the Complete Works podcast and all. Uh, Otherwise, I think I would have waited for video. Okay. Because the advance buzz was very bad once the embargo was lifted. And uh, I would I wanted to like it more because I think there's a lot in the movie that was interesting as far as the ideas or especially on the side of the story that focuses on the older characters. But it's a very messy film. Well, I, I could see that. I mean, I saw... And didn't really uh, mind um, the previous Jurassic World. Fallen Kingdom, right? Right, right. Well, part of the problem, and you've probably already heard this if you've seen any of the reviews, is that it doesn't fully capitalize on how Fallen Kingdom ends in the way that everyone wanted it to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, Uh, you, you were still pretty harsh on Fallen Kingdom. Oh. It was just maybe it was just I was in bad mood or something. I mean, it's it was goofy as all hell, but and very messy. But I but you know by that point it's like yeah, I guess that's what we're doing. So mm-hmm. I mean, with yeah, Jurassic uh, World have uh, trying to be a retread essentially of the first film and then on top of that ripping off of every great science fiction film that established it right yeah so like um but now now i'm waiting on a concept uh let's see i know westworld season four is happening i know james marsden is in it which is going to be interesting um and it could be a good segue, but I digress. Let me just do a little Westworld. What I want to see in the new season of Westworld is Richard Benjamin. See, I mean, it, you know, James Brolin. Well, no, he didn't really make it out of. Well, I don't know. That doesn't really matter too much now, does it? So. But man, he did not like he just I mean, is he prim- was Richard Benjamin primary? Did he go behind the camera primarily or uh, just a moment? Well, definitely he took a sharp turn into doing directorial work after a while. I think it might help though if you gave them an idea on his overall career. Richard Benjamin uh started as an actor in yep. the get, getting established in the late 1960s is mm-hmm. largely a comic actor in both uh movies and the occasional sitcom and yeah after a point in the 1980s he started moving towards more directing well i mean after uh oh what was the first thing we really saw him in well first thing uh I think people of our generation would have seen him in was Love at First Bite, in which he plays the descendant of uh, Van uh, Helsing. Van Helsing. Yeah. Or Scavenger Hunt, yes, which came out the same a... year as the uh, Unctuous Lawyer. 
Okay. Uh, just give me a moment. I think I got a cat in the closet. <laughs> okay. All right. Hold on. For Stephen Kovacs. Hey! You guys play here too? Cool. The price of cable just went up. Okay. Chip Douglas, you're on my team. Let's play. No way. <laughs> I'm on Stephen Shin. No. Oh, we're not friends. I don't even know you. Well, it's sad. He's got a friend he can't control. Where are we going? Only the finest restaurant in town. Can I have your skin? Check this out. Silence of the lambs. I just don't have any room in my life for a new friend. So, what are you trying to say? A friend who will not be ignored. I gave you free cable. The guy is a sociopath. <laughs> he leaves messages on my machine night and day. If you're there, pick up. Pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up. He shows up wherever I go. He won't leave me alone. He's going to need some tough love. There's Stephen Kovacs in here. I'm Stephen Kovacs. I didn't do anything. Just call my cable guy. At least look into it. Nobody named Chip Douglas works for the cable company. Suspicious, isn't it? You're all being fooled by him. <laughs> He's a lunatic and he's a felon. Don't mess with me. Come back here so that I may bring thee. I'm here for you. Don't do that. You're going to get me killed. Oh, Billy. <laughs> Jim Carrey, Matthew Broderick, The Cable Guy. Okay, I'm going. Take it off. Sorry about that. Skimble was fine during the cable guy, so I don't know what that states his opinion of being stuck in my uh, water heater closet. But yes, Ava, judge at him, <laughs> judge him. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, this is not the Richard Benjamin podcast. Obviously, I don't know if we could really do one. I mean, I know Westworld qualifies. Um, let's, let's... I don't think it's quite a distinguished enough filmography as an actor that you'd want to try doing an episode on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a let's... director, though, which she did from uh, starting in 1982 with my favorite year, he had a, about 15 years as a director. Yeah. More than an actor, mm-hmm. mostly comedies. Gosh, I was about to say. Say so then I'm looking like well I mean what how long is love at first bite would work but then scavenger hunt gosh I mean where do they think that movie would work I mean you got a lot of names but two hour runtime jeez oh yeah it, it uh, wears down in the final half hour so yeah yep mm-hmm. so. But, you know, um, I guess going for that transition, um, you know, you and I both are, well, basically, this episode is a product of cable television in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we really didn't watch uh, In Living Color first run by any stretch of the imagination, at least us two. Um well, I remember seeing some of the last season. Right, but... Because uh, back when it was, I think, 
the Simpsons lead out or close to it back yeah. when they were still on Thursdays. Right. But yeah, yes, you're right there. Yeah. So, I mean, hell, mom and mom wouldn't let us watch the Simpsons after like halfway through the first season. So for a bit, you know. Right. Um. So I don't know where this jump into Jim Carrey really happened then, because obviously there's Ace Ventura, which I know you probably you you weren't really a huge fan of. I I don't think you jumped into it until the mask came around. Right. What well what it was was okay, going back. Most most people, I don't think, were familiar with Jim Carrey beyond maybe in Living Color until 1994. Yes. Even though he'd been working as a stand-up since the late 1970s when he was still a teenager and had been doing acting roles and alternating that with stand-up from 1981 onward. Right. I mean, uh, first movie, um, as mom would always like to say, well, I knew he was going to be something after one spitting. Well, you'd be surprised. At, um, I have this wonderful book of old uh, horror movie ads called Ad Nauseum. This yeah. guy clipped all the, you know, you've seen it on my shelf. Right. They, they actually, he actually does give a little extra space to one spit and, and has some actual review excerpts from the time. He actually got some good notices for that movie. Even if the critics weren't particularly impressed by the film as a whole, I said, the guy has problems. Yeah, I, and I think you could see that. I mean, almost about the... No, oh. I recently took a look at it because it's up on Tubi. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of films that are in the MGM library of stuff they've acquired over the years. Actually, it's available... Shout Factory a while back brought out a double feature disc, and it is Love at First Fight and Once Bitten. Mm. Well, it's I a... think that's still in print, too. Yeah, my only problem with Love It, uh, Love It First Bite is a tan vampire. I think that's part of the joke. Okay, I was thinking George Hamilton and part like that. Uh, I don't know, because it goes back to uh, my time in the wrestling business and, you know, everybody coming out of, like, um, a show up in Chicago and uh, the wrestler David Heath better known as gangrel the vampire um somebody actually brought it up to him so what's with the tan <laughs> oh okay. thanks oh. thanks thanks kid you ruined 20 years of work uh <laughs> now going back to one spit he actually carrie did do a handful of projects that could be classified as films before that yes i'm mostly mostly television or regional canadian stuff like he did like direct video stuff um and it's interesting i haven't tracked down introducing janet yet which is his very first film of any kind it's really a short canadian tv movie in the after school special vein and jim carrey does degrassi sort of (laughs) but and that film Actually, I recently found out by way of the excellent series, uh, the YouTube channel Pop Arena does called 
Knickknacks, which is a history of Nickelodeon. Okay, yeah. That that was one of the little short TV movies or after school specials that Nickelodeon used to air a lot on weekends under the package title 16 Cinema in the late 80s. You see, I don't fact, remember one... I, I remember Pinwheel. I don't really remember um 16 Cinema. Yeah, well it it was a show that ran as you know they had the special delivery block on weekends. Yeah, I thought And they yeah. show stuff like that. But they had enough of these old after school specials or little Canadian TV movies that for a few years they had another package that was kind of the in the out slot on Sundays that was just given over to those kind of movies. And introducing Janet was one of the more frequently rerun of the batch of these little films they were kind of trying to burn off. And some of you, the listeners here who, if they did get into Carrie in the 90s, it was repackaged for video around 1995 as Rubber Face to play up his involvement. Mm -hmm. And his role is important, but it's not the lead. Right. But in any case... The next film he did, and I, it hardly qualifies as a film, really. It's more like a, almost like a glorified infomercial, was a film he did with Alan Thicke in 1983 called Copper Mountain. Yeah, I've seen that right now on his uh, yeah. Yeah, IMDb. It, it is available on Tubi. It seems to be something that's fallen into the public domain. Because ah. Rift Tracks did this earlier this year. They decided to go after it. I I didn't make the connection until I'd seen it as is. And it's interesting as an early look at Carrie because at this point in his stand-up career, he was pretty well established as exclusively a celebrity impressionist in the mode of somebody like Rich Little or Danny Gans. because he he had over 100 impressions in this repertoire and he had kind of the novelty going for them that he, he didn't just sound like these people he was imitating. He could look like them too. Yeah. Hence the rubber face. Yeah. The, the, and in Copper Mountain, basically his part is just taking advantage of that and that, uh, he and Alan Thicke are playing buddies who go up to a club med ski resort for, a little R&R and the gimmick of the Carrie character is that he's very shy around women and he tends to try breaking the ice with these impressions. Mm-hmm. So you see a few of the greatest hits of what he was doing in the stage act up to that point, such as his take on Sammy Davis Jr. and whatnot. Uh, right. Well, I mean, let's not talk too much about his Sammy. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just making a, I'm just making the observation of different times, um, mm-hmm. you know. And then there's, you know, he's already done enough stuff to get canceled over. Um, <laughs> um, okay, I mean that in the most flattering of ways. Um, okay, but um, no, I'm just going over there. So I mean, the he got to work with Clint Eastwood a couple of times. Yes, he uh, over. Um... One after the other, too. He has a minor role in the Deadpool. Yep. And 
it, it says a lot about the Deadpool and that Jim Carrey is in the movie, but he's not close to the hammiest performance in it. <laughs> Are you saying Liam Neeson love was more hammy <laughs> than is Jim he... Carrey? <laughs> yes, and it's kind of hilarious to see <laughs> Both these performers that early in their career (laughs) doing what's basically, well, the easiest way to put it is it's seeing one of Clint Eastwood's vehicles go into almost full cannon mode. That is true. Uh, Once you get the remote. How odd it gets. Yeah, once you get the remote control car and and the uh, Asian guy getting tattooed, I mean... I don't know. I, I really got to go revisit the Dirty Harry series just to keep track of his dead and wounded uh, partners. I know the critic addressed it. Yeah. I'll be a lucky charm. <laughs> no, but going back, to, but let's go back to one spitting. Mm. It's interesting to look at this kind of run of what were really Ghostbusters knockoffs that weren't direct ripoffs that we had for much the back half of the uh, 80s. I don't know if I'd go Ghostbusters knockoff with uh, one spit. And I think it's more like more of your just, um, cause there's not the hunting element necessarily in that one. Uh, well, no, I would say my best, my best friends of vampire want, is what, with David Warner. Want, what I really mean is everybody wanted to do goofing off with ghouls movies after ghostbusters yeah again though it's like it feels like there was some of this was stuff that was kind of dragged out of mothballs and some of it was but i'm saying they were playing they were already doing slasher parodies uh, yeah we they'd already been the slasher parody run but then after ghostbusters you get this whole run of supernatural farces and you know, if you're not using ghosts, then there were some direct ripoffs like Ghost Beaver. Oh, yeah. But he also had stuff like Teen Wolf and. Okay, yeah, that. Transyl- there you go. Transylvania 65000, which opened like. Transylvania 65000 and One's Been Opened within about a week of each other in November 85. That's kind of how you can tell when some. There's currently a trend going on, especially on the B le- B movie level. Cause these were mostly B budget productions. Oh, studios like, or distributors anyway, right. like Atlantic, new world, Samuel yeah. Goldwyn company. That's, that's, that's really weird with Samuel Goldwyn. Cause you get some classics and then at least <laughs> under mm-hmm. their banner. And then it's like, Oh yeah, this was on Nickelodeon. Like, yeah. Like you learned, you learned the logo and it's like, well, bloody hell, I can't read cursive. I'm seven, but I don't know if this is good. <laughs> no, what's interesting about one's bidden is that he really does have to assume a lot of the weight of that movie with his performance. Yes. And given that he'd never had a part quite this big up to this point, I think he handles it very well. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, he does look too old for 18. He was 23 at the time. Okay, all right, all right. This but, is the night. This is the 1980s. This is essentially, I mean, gosh. Um, as we were having a discussion last time, uh, um, I saw you about how disco was um, the disco bash backlash was more of a homophobic backlash, um, and yeah. ra- little racism, obviously. Um, man, I mean, this one doesn't really like. 
this is this is your standard eighties fare when uh yeah. I mean Cleavon Little is good um mm-hmm. as the um essentially the Igor, not the Igor, what was um the Renfield. Renfield. Yeah. yeah. Um but he's he's queering it up and then you have uh the entire bit which is shameful that a character with that name <laughs> would get all transphobic. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't dig the Russ character. And never mind. Yeah. Never, never, never mind. Everybody yeah. else. In the, everybody else in this movie is in an eighties. It's okay. <laughs> like uh, as you, I think it was. Was it funny or die? You were showing me a video of like. All right, let's. How are we gonna yeah. do vengeance? <laughs> yeah. No, that that's a felony. <laughs> no, you. Anybody who looks into 80s comedies, especially teen comedies, has got to be ready for the rampant homophobia that was in a lot of these films. Well, I mean, never never mind the casual rape and uh, yeah, a lot of statu- a lot of statutory concerns. Yeah, there's a lot you can get away with now. We'll we'll be discussing how things evolve as this episode goes on. I'm sure. Right, but anyway, but with, yeah. with that with that said, Todd Phillips, thanks for at least recognizing the past <laughs> with okay. uh, his features. But okay, okay. Now after one spitting, um, man, Peggy Sue got married in '86, mm-hmm. which, yep. and he and Nicholas Cage are still friends to this day. Yeah, are they or is Nicholas Cage? Look, uh, oh. I got I got bear skulls to repair, man. <laughs> If you've read the book, the I, novel Carrie co-wrote uh, two years ago, Memoirs and Misinformation, Cage ends up being one of the major characters. <laughs> well, but that's just a na- that's just what you should be if you're writing something. Now that's what you do. Cage is the Cage is the punchline. Hopefully, everything kind of course corrects after the massive weight of talent. Right now, after that, we got to we had the films he did with Clint Eastwood and we had Earth Girls Are Easy, which we did a while back. Mm-hmm. And after that, for a few years, it is he is basically focusing on in living color for a little while. Um, like there are one or two TV movies and stuff he did during this time. And I'd like to track down Doing Time on Maple Drive, yeah, which I was that. his first straight drama in a lot of ways. And that ran on the Fox network in 92. It was kind of his first straight drama role. But after that, we get to the, and at the same time, he's refined his stand-up act to become more of an eccentric observational comic. And if you haven't heard the episode of Mark Maron's podcast, where he interviewed Carrie. That's WTF. Yeah, definitely definitely worth a listen to hear this, this the stories carrie has about his stand-up days in the 80s including the nights he would intentionally bomb the act get the audience mad at him <laughs> oh yeah no just the classic kaufman and is it doesn't matter what if you get the if you get the reaction that's all is important it doesn't matter if it's good or bad right. if it's intended right and if and he, that was also the time he did his one stand-up special for Showtime on Jim Carrey's Unnatural Act, which is 
which is one of the best half-hour stand-up sets I've seen of that kind of special. And that is where, and among other things, that's where the all righty then catchphrase first made it to the screen. Because mm-hmm. in the context of the act, as established, he'd, he'd, come, he'd come on stage and say, hello, my name is Jim Carrey. How are you doing tonight? All righty then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, being by this point in his act, he decided that would that's the best way to break the ice is to just seem as if you don't care. Mm. Or as he put it, being free from concern. Right. We'll talk a little more about that later. But in any case, with this new confidence, he goes into taking over this little project that had been kicking around the studios, Ace Ventura, and with mm-hmm. his writing partner, director, Tom Shadiak, they did a once-over on the script, and at the top of 1994, a star was born. Yeah, with Ace Ventura, I guess the, I mean, it's um, very much a carry vehicle. I mean, it's it's nothing without him by that point. Well, no, yeah, looking at it, because I did watch it through the other day, I don't think I'd ever watched it stem to stern, because you you know you guys being my younger sibs you had that vhs on all the time yes that was more of a fuzzball thing i'm gonna right i i did not go to see the movie in the theater with you because i was i was 16 going 15 going on 16 at the time and at that point you do start to feel you're a little too old for this sort of thing but looking at it i do think a lot of it still is extremely funny. Oh, it is I've... very stupid, but that's part of the point. Right, it's and simply I'll... Carrie trying to see how goofy he can be for eighty-five minutes while still having enough of a plot that it's not completely shapeless. Right, and uh, you know the uh, big thing that probably hasn't aged well is our uh, antagonist, but um... the... yes, the. Ray Finkel. Without going too yeah. far into spoilers, the film does hinge on a lot, end up hinging on a lot of crying mockery game. of the transphobic. Yes. Um, no, I, I have. It wasn't, and as somebody pointed out on Twitter a little while ago, it wasn't even the only film at the time that was doing that. There's oh, a virtually no. identical plot twist to Naked Gun 33 and a third with virtually the same punchline. Oh, not not done as well by any stretch of the imagination. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. Look, I mean, I really this all all this stuff is stems from uh, Silence of the Lambs, obviously. Yeah, with, and, and uh, the Crying Game. You know, at the well, time, in the crying. early nineties, it was not a very friendly environment, and still not a very friendly environment in comedy for the LGBTQ plus crowd. No, well, I mean, there are some I there's some great comics of that. I mean, Eddie Izzard has taken on the she pronoun, um, mm-hmm. which is weird because I'm sh- sure she's acted as a man. It, um, there was a movie, n- not not more than a three four years old, where about like just hunting, you know, people hunting down London townies in the countryside comedy horror comedy type thing uh i would say though like if you like 
I would say Ace Ventura handles it better than a lot of movies like Naked Gun 33 and a third. It just does it just to do it. Um, I mean, and, and it's sad because the crying game was a important, you know, was kind mm-hmm. of your kind of an attempt. I mean, not an attempt. I mean, it was kind of a course correction after Silence of the Lambs, I would say. Um, but with um, if you understand how evil this character is supposed to be, that they uh, decide that the best thing that is to hide out in plain sight. Um, I think they do it actually pretty well if you just t- accept it for absolute ridiculousness. It, it's not like um, Naked Gun 33 and a third where it was just like, all right, let's just throw it in there. <laughs> um, I mean, I they, suppose the, the best word to, about how Ace Ventura plays the plot twist is it's just very thoughtless. Yes. No, it's it. It's like let's just say it could have been the same as John F. Kennedy in uh, Bubba Hotep, in a, in a sense. Not to spoil. Well, well, I'm just saying in Bubba Hotep, you know, where JFK is uh, hiding as a elderly black man and survived his assassination attempt. (laughs) Still paranoid that Lyndon's going to send somebody out after him. I'm just saying it's, you know, let's just misplace people. Okay, so but moving on, if I was resistant to the carry charms, I think the mask was what broke it down. That was, we did. I don't think any of us saw that theatrical. No, I don't recall seeing it in the theater. Uh, but first... I was inter- actually interested at the time it, about seeing it theatrically. But being only sixteen, I didn't have the wherewithal to get out there. And there were other movies that summer we were preoccupied with anyway. Yeah, 1994. I don't know. Um, you know, we saw The Lion King how many times? Well, yes, but um, and stuff thank, like that. It's um, but it's almost surprising what we didn't see the mask because uh, it was a summer movie and right. Uh, we've been in Buffalo at some point. Yeah. So uh, Uncle Jim, he's he was the ultimate cinephile at that time i mean he uh needed need, i mean he had plenty of hobbies um but he had uh complete catalogs of his dub vhs stuff and i don't right. know i don't know how many not to out jimmy but how many actual commercial cassettes he owned but moving on go, getting back to the mask mm-hmm which I do think counts as 100 minutes because they start rolling credits in roughly. Oh, no, no. Right. Uh, No, I'm not, I'm not questioning that. And the, the, I think the the thing you, the thing, the scene you would throw at the end of it, which is, uh, Oh, what was the name of the dog? Milo. Yeah. It was Milo swimming away with it as, uh, who was it? Richard Jennings or. Yeah. Richard Jennings. Yeah. Um, was swimming after him. (laughs) But it's interesting that it took so long for a lot of critics to come around to Jim Carrey being a legitimate actor as well as a rapid fire comic because he's fantastic in the mask the whole way through. Yes, I'll give you that. Especially given that he, he only appears as the mask for a relatively limited chunk of screen time, right? Especially in the back half. Oh, yeah. 
but but I he mean, completely but he completely solves all the scenes of Stanley. Yes, but I would say that he's still very much um, the character. So I mean, he's the lovable loser as Stanley, and yeah. he's just his hyperactive yeah. self with the uh, green uh, makeup. Um, with uh, I mean, when you say dramatic, I don't really say you get that until. Uh, the cable guy, in all honesty. And that's just more because the character is just, in a sense, sinister. Well, I think he really sells uh, the mask in a way that a lot of other comic actors at the time might not have thought to. I think oh, part uh, of it uh, is that he, that Carrie doing these sort of everyman slash lovable loser parts. Um, of course, more than a lot of these performers, he actually knew Juan to, when, in his teenager. He spent some time homeless when it, his father lost his job. He, he, he knew real want and deprivation as a teenager. Teenager, And I think some of that informs his, his work. He would say it does. Um, He's often said he had a lot of anger he was working out through his comedy work. Well, I mean, I don't... You know, when I think about um, the only other comic star, I think at the time, or even prior, you know, uh, who successfully did it before him was uh, Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, Bill Murray, all I could really say is for him is what he's the second or third eldest brother of four. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, I mean, motivations can be can come from about anywhere. Chip on shoulders, you know. Yeah. Um. So I don't try to think too much into that. Now, truth be told, like I was uh, out and about at the uh, disc replay. Uh, Mega replay would be the equivalent over in Peoria. Um, trying to find some movies and mismanaged my time yesterday decided to write a blog uh, about wrestling for my uh, disgruntled real championship wrestling blog that's uh, drcwwrestling.blogspot.com mm-hmm. uh, and I say say you know trying to pitch my podcast you know and, and don't worry folks with all the drinking I do during the show the wrestling chatter is a feature not a bug um but with that time mismanagement i definitely missed one of the movies i intended to watch that being the truman show um which an hour 43 but i'm uh, i you know there's no stinger at the end which i don't believe there is no there isn't it qualifies right um i had not actually watched it in its entirety i was drunk getting drunk and Honestly, Ed Harris is what I am there for. Uh, I mean, Carrie's Carrie's great, but he's again playing kind of playing type his type still at that time. Um, let's move, but let's move back to the chronological order. Then. Okay, if we're gonna skip Dumb and Dumber, which is an hour forty-seven, <laughs> which um, uh, it it pains me, but yes, we we yeah, shall. and Batman Forever is two two hours plus. Which I'm looking at it now. That is not aging. That is aging worse and worse every year. Batman Forever. Yeah, I'm just on the IMDb, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, it's got yeah. a higher, higher, you know, a better critical score 
than uh, Dumb and Dumber, but uh, there's quite... a lot of regret I think a lot of people have about Batman. Well, yeah, right? I'm just saying that only the, because the users... we wouldn't have had we wouldn't have had Batman Robin had it not done as well as it did at the time. Well, but the user score is, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, below Ace Ventura when nature calls. Yeah. So. Nope. nope. Now, uh, Ace Ventura when nature calls. I can see why that completely soured Carrie on doing sequels for a long time. Well, it's, it's a great throw everything against the wall type thing, but uh, aside, you know, if it was just seems so came off as cheap and slapdash. Yes. No spike, spike the monkey is honestly the best thing going in it into it. Um, Or I, I do. I mean, the British actors they have are, great mm-hmm. but uh yeah i mean it's i mean i i really wish i would have addressed tommy davidson when i was driving him around peoria so uh white devil white devil <laughs> uh great conversation though with tommy davidson ended up like you know well we met for a reason it's jedi stuff yeah all right watch shay and uh watch uh elysium which, so, uh, with that in mind, so by the end of 95, Carrie's very popular, but he still doesn't have a lot of respect. Be, I mean, people, it, you're still kind of shy about admitting you think he's talented. And then we have what happens with the cable guy, and it looks like that it, he might be a flash in the pan when people don't respond to that. Well, which it, is it, a, it's, a, it's a crazy idea paying $20 million to a supporting actor. I don't think it's a supporting role. Uh, you know, I, that's that. You see, that was what I was uh, watching just before. Because as I say, I mismanaged my time, so I couldn't get mm-hmm. uh, Truman Show in. And uh, we'll, you know, if we're going chronologically, we'll find out what I did uh, watch. I think I have a great spread. We got the nineties, we got the aughts, and we got the got the teens. But um, I mean there's a lot of elements i mean it's it's honestly brilliantly directed by stiller i mean he he captures a lot of jonathan demi from uh silence of the lambs mm-hmm. with close-ups getting you comfortable yeah. take knocking you off guard or really yeah. implying something that's gonna happen the cable, the cable guy takes a while to get going but it does work it does build up to being this wonderful comedy thriller once it fully shows its hand um I don't know. I thought it really, it, I thought it was really well paced. I would say this is something that's, that, uh, I mean, I, I, see what I think saying. it jumps right in. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, going into it and maybe that's hindsight being 2020 that, uh, you know, once it was released and then you had the initial backlash, like this is not a Jim Carrey comedy in a sense, you know, in a sense, uh, with us also said uh, subtitles suck on stars thank god i'm getting 20 doing i think it's four months for 20 bucks right now um but um i mean it's got really intelligent the dialogue's really intelligent any movie that knows how to use eric roberts well is awesome in yeah. my book the- that's another thing about the really good carry comedies of this stretch is that this and the mask are amazingly cast top to bottom yes uh i'll give you that i mean i mean the mask has peter Regert and it was cameron diaz's first movie and mm-hmm. it's richard benny yeah um and every, 
and the cable guy does the same thing it just casts everybody perfectly i mean i love george seagal seagal yes, is, as um, um yeah as his father as, you're killing you're killing as broderick's dad you're, you're, yeah you're killing your mother i didn't <laughs> steal all these things why would they just do it you're killing your mother um let's see i honestly with the cable guy in high i mean again hindsight it's kind of like this was something that just got released way too early, I think, for the audience. Um, now, I'm not saying it would be treated better. I'm just saying I think there'd be more fans of it, say, if it was released in the awesome DVD era of Fight Club, which obviously didn't work in the cinema, but, you know, everybody came yeah. to it. Um, so there's... a. Yeah, the only other thing is I noticed really that I could say is a downside to it is uh, soundtracks in the late 90s and early noughties sucked. Um, at least for comedies. Like, let's let's just throw some rock music in here. Be hip, you know. And no, I think the Cable Guy soundtrack works fine. Ah, no. Nah. It's very obviously a mid-90s soundtrack, but... Yes, but that's just it. It's like, I don't think the music hits you. Like, everybody was using Hey Man, Nice Shot, which is a very out-of-context song. Um, I just don't think you can end it with a Jerry Cantrell <laughs> trail song. Um, but yeah, but what I would have really liked, if I was to redo The Cable Guy, I would go... Because it reminded me of the classic horror movie, uh, Maniac. Mm-hmm. Like, we we could see that, you know, hey, uh, Chip slash Larry slash Ricky. No, I think what really sells the movie is that Carrie does make the guy a sympathetic character, even though right. he is oh, genuinely clearly sim- off the rocker. Right. Um and you got the Judd Apatow influence on that. I mean, never mind yeah. Le- Leslie Mann being your right, your female lead. Um, mm-hmm. But and I do love the trial <laughs> elements. Yeah, the sub the Sam Sweet subplot is really yes. funny. <laughs> Asian gang, Asian gangs. <laughs> I couldn't understand them. It must be Asian. <laughs> um. And the, oh, Andy Dick, that might be his best yeah. performance. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, and, and if you watch Zoolander afterwards, you can just see the groundwork being laid. I could see that. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So we're. But in any case, we're going, Cable so, Guy doesn't do as well as expected. Some people co- start, are ready to write him off. And then he comes back with. And this was one of the first carries I did see in a theater. Although the very first was Dumb and Dumber, mm-hmm. was Liar Liar. Yes, which is just basically a return to form, in a sense, um, of what we expect. Not well, I think not... it's a little, it's a little more than that because this is this was the first of his uh, star vehicles to get a PG, and it's the first that really saw producers looking at uh, this I'm guy seeing, had a huge I, fan base I've seen kids. a, I've seen a let's PG, do something I, that's a little more appropriate for that uh one. no it's a pg-13 oh I yeah thought it was a PG. oh no not with the you know all the pipe laying jokes um but that is true that, never never mind oh 108 108 pounds 
in her your breast uh, <laughs> but in any case even if it wasn't directly aimed at a family audience it was clearly the first faint towards looking into more acknowledging that the guy did have a fan base that skewed a bit young yes so let's something that's effectively more of a family comedy right no and yeah definitely is that um which goes back to the dialogue on the cable guy when he's beating the crap out of owen wilson yeah oh he took that buckle hard gene (laughs) like all right yeah you're you're taking the time to pop the wrestling crowd so (laughs) and Um, with and with liar liar I haven't had a chance to revisit that just yet. Yeah, um, I, know it's, I know it's available. I didn't catch Fun with Dick and Jane either. I know that's available on streaming right now too. Uh, Hulu. Right. I can't, I, Liar Liar, I think, is on Stars. So, mm-hmm. you know, as I say, I just but, have to binge on Stars for a while for this to make the $20 worth it. <laughs> but it is interesting that Liar Liar was actually Carrie's biggest hit up to this point as a leading man. And speaks to a talent that I don't think gets talked up enough. The guy has a very natural rapport with child actors compared yes. to other performers who were doing these kind of movies in the late nineties. And even up to now, you know, Eddie Murphy started doing stuff like this around this time. And Adam Sandler would later, but Carrie always had a nat- really natural rapport with child actors and or animals. That, that seems really unusual well i i think it's just more of the i think in the end he's he is a playful guy mm-hmm. um sorry ned the dog <laughs> um we'll get to that in a little while yes um but um yeah and with all that said being bring up Adam sandler so i didn't get around the bruce almighty either which i think would just fit because of the you know credits yeah it's 102 but right although Um, it does have although because it is another tom shadyak directed film there is a blooper reel on that too well yeah but i don't really count the blooper reels either Um, well it's not liar blooper reel is one of the greatest ever i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not denying that but i'm saying the narrative concludes yes yes Um, i see what you're saying but um with but i was just saying since you brought up sandler and his eventual work with children and i would say uh Mm -hmm. i haven't i just there's just no desire to see eight crazy nights but i'd say bedtime stories is very good um and then you have his entire hotel transylvania franchise right um but i did find a uh interesting four pack and i don't know why i brought up oh liar liar streaming no i bought the four pack which had uh from universal and i'm surprised like i'm surprised i got it for four five bucks it's uh happy uh gilmore billy madison liar liar and bruce almighty Mm -hmm. so i can see that yeah it might be the greatest comedy hack ever Um, oh i don't know four movies like that well I don't know what Universal was thinking at that time. Like, uh, we didn't sell enough of these DVDs, and Walmart sent them all back, so let's just throw them in. I mean, if you couldn't sell solely the Billy Madison Happy Gilmore double pack, get rid of all those discs. Yeah. Right. Well, moving on. So, Liar Liar proves that Carrie's going to be here to stay. That, That he's not the kind of flash in the pan that, in a way, Mike Myers ended up being. 
Uh, I think Mike Myers, Carrie was a lot more careful and um, never mind. Michael, Mike Myers is the ultimate control freak. That's true. Um, So his, um, like he, he's pretty much going to self-sabotage himself at some point. There's a reason why there's Wayne's world, Wayne's world two. And I know there's a lot of fans coming out for So I Married an Axe Murderer, but Dana Carvey probably got more work on the big screen (laughs) during that time before uh, Austin Powers. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I mean, really, like, he had a... It's Austin Powers in 54, in all honesty. I can't really think of any uh, Mike Myers outside of the that era because then what about the correct movies i'm sorry oh i don't know the hotel transylvania series if you're going to bring up adam sandler then yeah but sandler can at least not piss people off (laughs) (laughs) um well we'll get to myers again in a little bit but in the meantime okay so since you have not seen the Truman Show in its entirety, yeah, I have not. Yes, um, uh, I I do think that movie has aged amazingly well. Oh, I, given how much has changed since then and ha- con- media consumption habits and stuff. Well, I, but I think it's like, well, it, it takes me back to the cable guy watching it again. It's just the mm-hmm. entire um, whenever uh chip is trying to win somebody over he takes him to the dish yeah and his entire monologue that he repeats <laughs> the someday you will have your phone computer and television all in one it just you know it's ironic it's the cable guy when he's preaching cord cutting at the end right so but i do love the truman show a lot and like a lot of people i still don't understand why he wasn't didn't make it to the best actor nomination run well i've said it before it's basically he's not a hollywood guy this is and i bring it back to robin williams in a sense that yes we know robin williams was could be wild and zany but he pretty much kept that solely to his stand-up act until aladdin like you could say, well, he was crazy, wild and crazy in um, Good Morning Vietnam. Not really. That was a his radio host character for the most part. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the character's radio host persona. Um, right. And you know, otherwise, yes, he's having fun with the Viet Vietnamese as he's playing baseball before he leaves, but. He's still a grounded character. He's not going off the walls. I mean, the next closest thing I can think of is Moscow on the Hudson. And yeah, he's that's more of a just playing a doing an impersonation of a Russian in a sense, but it's still very grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, I think, is so he did Aladdin, then he did Mrs. Doubtfire. And that's where I think people think of Robin Williams is more zany as he then. Like, no, he was a pretty competent, always a almost skilled and studied actor. Mm-hmm. Well, while Jim Carrey was, okay, so 
I think it was basically if you recognize the Truman Show with an Academy Award nomination, you're basically saying, uh, which is weird because like you just can just bring up Jennifer Hudson or Cher, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, you came out of some, you didn't come out of you didn't come out of the actor studio. James Lipman don't give a shit about what you've done. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm coming from. It's just that if you would have recognized buffoonery for 15 years at this point with Jim Carrey, then uh, what's next? Stane Cook gets the right screenplay and <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, it, we're, it's, it's to protect the statue. You know, oh. you, you got another 12, 14 years before. But that doesn't make sense in the case of Jim Carrey and the Truman Show because that's the Roberto Benigni one for Life is Beautiful. But Roberto Benigni was uh, was a known international commodity. Uh, and never mind, Jim Jeremish is the guy who brought him to the States. Uh, down by law, he's awesome in that. So again it's like oh he's you know he he's he's a he's just a lot safer he's gone through he's paid his dues he's not the 20 million dollar man and okay. then rob and then roberto benini screws it all up with pinocchio so i mean you, you it's the same reason they don't give eddie murphy the the respect he deserves like dolomite come on and that's where we start getting interesting again, because if we're going by the 100 minute thing, we're going to have to skip the next few movies on the Carrie resume. Because right. Man, of the Moon, Man of the Moon is a two hour. Um, me and myself, me, myself and, Irene and Irene is, is almost two full hours. Yes. Um, very inflated and bloated. Yeah. Uh, I mean, me, I, 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 it, it, it's an awesome, I mean, it's what you expect from, it's what you want to see from the Farrelly brothers instead of a uh, white man. Okay. Movie with a green book. Okay. No, but and then uh, Grinch, after... you got a Grinch would probably qualify. I have Grinch qualifies. Seen. It's 105 minutes. Yes. But with credits. right. And that's why I'm like, I'm showing 144 on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the bat people like that was a he's he's made a lot of mistakes when he's gone and like tackled stuff that um is just so beloved i mean everybody has their christmas carol by the point he does the christmas carol uh be it mickey in my case the muppets for all the millennials i don't think anyone it seems a shame that you would limit yourself to just one version of Christmas Carol. Though. No, no, really no, like no, it. no. I look George C. Scott. I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. you know, no. That's probably the finest. But you know what I'm getting at. You have the one that is just feels like yours. Is what I'm saying. Like, um, no, I understand that. It's like a, it's like James Bond. All right, Timothy Dalton's my Bond. It was my first Bond. I want. I love the though. I love the irony of Afghanistan being saved by our heroes. <laughs> That's the. But getting back to Carrie, at this point, 
Carrie kind of hits his commercial peak at the turn of the millennium, although it's in a slightly hidden mist way, because How the Grinch Stole Christmas was his biggest hit since Liar Liar. Yes. And it's still one of the biggest successes of his career. And I like that movie a great deal. I recently revisited it, and I find it works for me as strange a movie as it is. Especially by modern children's movie standards. It doesn't play quite like any other. It seems like it's from a very different time for how these kind of movies were mounted. Uh, I don't know. Molly Shannon just leaves a bad taste in my mouth a lot of the time. She doesn't uh, doesn't have a ton of screen time. It's just a... I, I don't know. I... Like I've I've gone and left um, women. I probably have been close to shagging. Like, oh, superstar! That was such a great movie. No, that's the worst character. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Jim Brewer was on Saturday Night Live. Um, I'm you know I'm just saying it's kind of like yeah. Only time I could say a movie I could really say Molly I was okay with Molly Shannon in was Happiness, <laughs> and that is a tough watch anyhow. <laughs> so, but anyway, he has How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then he has The Majestic, which does not qualify for ninety or chill. Not by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> um, and we did we did forget about um, or no my uh, I don't know my. Uh, imdb on my chromebook is just acting all screwy why do we have eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and image on the how oh yeah no it's just totally jacked up how the grinch stole christmas with jim carrey in a briefcase running huh (laughs) um so yeah so i haven't had it revisited bruce almighty just yet yeah no and i i, I have not watched I remember it. liking it i saw it theatrically and that's still the biggest hit of his career huh just for inflation or anything no that movie was huge you see i i don't know what was i doing oh 2004 I just, uh, yeah okay 2003 now i was doing i was um no that was before i was drinking six nights a week so um now i just didn't get out much because i was wrestling on the weekends and Mm. um so that that was a yeah so and then so he has his biggest hit and then he probably has his uh biggest critical success uh, is sunshine and spotless spotless mind uh which yes just is awesome on nearly all levels. I'm the, a huge. The, this is this is the point where, where it's clear the Academy hated Jim Carrey that he uh, didn't get hated for that. Well, I mean, 2004. What were the uh, nominations? I guess um, I'm trying to look that up right now. Good thing I have the Chromebook. I mean, yes, I could open a window up, but you know, why am I typing Wikipedia into Wikipedia? Um, Okay. Uh Oscars 2005. No, you're looking at 2004. No, the the oh. Academy Awards ceremony that took place in 2005. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so let's see. Um ceremony presenters presenters awards. 
Yeah. Well, a uh, million dollar baby, so I can't. Um, Ray might be overrated. Um, I mean, eh, it got the best original screenplay Oscar, so I guess that kind of balances things in a sense. Uh, best actor, um, Clint Eastwood, maybe Johnny Depp. Uh, shag him Don Sheetle yeah um, I could probably see dumping Leonardo DiCaprio and Johnny Depp because that's just what Johnny Depp was doing at the time mm-hmm. um, Kate Winslet of course got her uh, nomination for actress which I don't know I haven't seen the reader so but I would say by that point, that may have been Kate Winslet's best performance. Mm. Okay. Now, where are we going to move on to next? Um, Okay, so... The film added... I saw Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events theatrically. I I want... I still want to get around to that. Um, It is worth a look. It is a little past the parameters. It's 108 minutes, but... Yeah. But, you know... I feel that film was kind of unheralded because it was one of paramount's big christmas releases that year but it apparently had a kind a weird behind the scenes development process and wound up going over budget in ways that it wasn't profitable enough to keep going as a concern because carrie was willing to do sequels to that and was robert when like robert evans was still alive when did he get knocked out of paramount (laughs) It's the turn of the 80s. I don't know where you've been. Well, no, I, I thought that was the answer, but this is when he was doing Kid Notorious. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> come on, we know what works. Now, I haven't uh, it would It would have sold huge in North Korea, according to Robert Evans. Uh, fun with if, if, I, if I'm correct, that was Robert. Me. That was um a joke from Kid Notorious that Kim Jong-un's favorite movie was Popeye so um yeah I am sorry uh so fun with Dick and Jane I mean I don't know for me by this point I guess I just was like oh it's same old hat I mean I really like to see Tia Leone really go and emote so I guess that would have been a draw (laughs) but uh the fun with Dick and Jane I did see theatrically and it was enjoyable, but it's not one of the more memorable films he was doing at this point. I do think this was around the time comedies started becoming less popular in general on the big screen. Oh, you could just tell and from... Roles started drying up. Well, and you could just tell, um, you know, this is 2005, so I think we still had a few, I mean, a few more years before uh, the MCU screws everything up. Uh-huh. like come on tnt can't i watch the blues brothers <laughs> can't i watch some straight up comedy um and let's just face it comedy was on a downturn anyhow because it's like yeah then let's watch vacation on the vacation remake on comedy central nope um so yeah you have uh so that brings us to what I watched last night. 
Um, the number 23. So this is during the uh, Virginia Madsen renaissance, I guess you would say, because I mean, she was um, a talent. Nobody's questioning that, but I don't think she ever really matched anything she did. I mean, she got a lot of support for Candyman, but otherwise it was just the hot spot. Right. Um, but I'm a Highlander, uh, the quick to the quickening apologist. So I'm cool with Virginia. Um, but I would say that this is probably the weakest performance I saw Jim Carrey deliver. I, I know you like, I mean, I know you gave it three. I gave it two on the box. Um, I just like, for me, the, um, scenes from the novel as they're being played out uh-huh. kind of brought me back to so, the like Jim Carrey doesn't have any sinister edge to him. It's a flat performance. Like he doesn't, in my opinion. And, um, and then, you know, when everything starts blending together, it's just, um, I, he, I, I would just say he's and, one of the reasons there's any credibility to it because it is a very silly storyline ah, and nah, it's played I, totally straight. Yeah. But I'm just, no, um, no, I'd say it's like, it's just I don't think not, it's anything career best work. Certainly. Well, I don't know. It's like, and then when they're trying to make the novel look cool it just reminds me of all the Kelly Cofield noir woman sketches from Sar- <laughs> uh, from in Living Color. It's from in Living Color. Yes, like all right, no, doesn't. Uh, and um, I'll say this, and I documented it in my notes. Um, at the forty-five minute mark, I figured the movie out. Yeah. With, with that said, was- with that said, forty-five is the baseball number of Michael Jordan, who is best known for being number 23. (laughs) And then, never mind, 4 plus 9, 4 plus 5 equals 9. The square root of 9 is 3. 3, 2, flip it, 23. (laughs) So it's a fun game. (laughs) Yeah, the 23 enigma is a real thing. Oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm sure of that, but um yeah it's just like now i'm having more fun making up (laughs) making up stuff and not killing people (laughs) and um i don't know kind of had a kuntzy vibe uh recently re-watching um doing my stoned uh adult um swim a non-adult swim a robot chicken rewatches and there's Mm -hmm. the the sketch where uh Dean Koontz buys a house next door to um, Stephen King. <laughs> it's like, oh, Koontz here! <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe we need a collaboration. And like, no, your your stories are pretty much <laughs> like. And eventually, the police just buy that Christine killed Dean Koontz. Yeah. Yeah. What can you do with cursed cars? <laughs> and then, um, next few movies. Borden hears a who is is a likable film yeah i don't know Carell just doesn't do i hate to say it because i mean he's got some great roles obviously <laughs> uh anchorman i just don't like him in a lead sense i guess i i just <laughs> can't get and 
it's weird. I, I should watch the British office because I just can't get into Michael Scott on the, huh. on the American office. Like, I don't know. There's something like if he's going to be this naive and arrogant, I really want the evil Ricky Gervais <laughs> compared to a guy who you, um, see Pharrell's Michael Scott, who's like, kind of thinks he's an okay dude <laughs> well in any case you know horton hears who's enjoyable but it's slide it's very much a film for kids more yeah. than anything right although and what it does especially for that time period it's not bad oh no and, we had a i mean after i mean it's a nice little apology for those who hated uh who are <laughs> who hated uh his first take on seuss and <laughs> um yeah, uh, along the along with that and the Lorax, it looked like we were actually doing a pro, doing the Doctor well, and, and then his past caught up to him. But then, then, then we get Yes to, Man, yeah. Um, which that, to me caught just, up with on DVD. Mm-hmm. It just and, see, it just seems like liar liar retread. Right. That that's the thing at this point in his career roughly fun with dick and jane onward it's like the studios were running out of ideas for him oh it's almost like why you even like i don't know i'd been talking i would have been this is 2008 i would have been trying to talk him into uh like could you imagine jim carrey as the grandmaster i don't know i think he'd be too big a presence for that you but you in a different way I was about to say you you do you the only reason you cast Jeff Goldblum is for presents. <laughs> but it's possible to be too big. Going back to uh number 23 and Batman Forever, the story Joel no, Schumacher yeah. was that he first met Jim Carrey back in 1983 or so when he was casting DC Cab. And he thought the and Schumacher thought the audition was brilliant, but he also realized Carrie was too big a presence for an ensemble comedy. And bearing in mind that Mr. T was in DC cab. Well, Gary Busey and Gary was, in, was still an even bigger presence than that. Well, Gary Busey was also in DC yeah. cab. I mean, what does uh, it say about your presence? And they think, well, you're too much for us. Um. Well, and. I would say, you know, like Carrie would have probably broken out a Busey impersonation and that would have just gone and ruined everything. Um, but, Joel but, Schumacher, but with that said, bringing up Joel Schumacher, it, was he really just the ultimate director for Hire? He was a studio hack in a sense, yes. Okay, because, I mean, aside from adding fluorescence to Batman, I can't really say what's his artistic flair? Oh, there's a penis. Okay, I, I get that. Um, flatliners, if you've seen that. Yeah. Um, but but going, oh, he, he yeah. got good. He got good use out of Keith or Sutherland. So why didn't we have Keith or Sutherland meet up with Jim Carrey at some point? Well, when you get by the end of the new millennium, the first decade of the. The, the Nazis, if you're, century in, if you're in England. Harry and... has become too big a presence for what Hollywood's offering him. That's fair And that makes say. it interesting that it's at this point 
he does I Love You, Philip Morris, which is, pardon the pun, a criminally underrated, wonderful little movie. Oh, <laughs> well, yes. I mean, it, the story <laughs> of the man who got life in prison for just being a con artist. Um, it was a. I, I mean, was, you, Ewan McGregor's best accent work. <laughs> and Carrie is so good in this movie. He's able to do pretty much every. It's like he's bringing everything he's brought to bear from a lot of his previous works. Oh, it's a, it's it's almost it, it's almost the greatest hits. It, yeah, in some ways it does almost play like that, but it still works as a coherent performance on its own. Yes, and yes. it is an absolute pity that that he it could not find a, a wide American release. And and that it's still kind of under the radar. It is available on Tubi. Yes. Um, you can find, I, I'd imagine, if you're looking at iTunes, which yeah. obviously I went to first before I subscribed to Stars again. Yeah. Um, it's $12.99, so it's not going to go any higher. No, sorry, not, not, sorry. The cable guy is $12.99, so it's not going to go any higher. It might go on sale every now and then. Mm-hmm. um but uh you can usually find i love you philip morris at a reasonable price on uh itunes yeah. and probably all your digital uh media and it's it's definitely one worth owning i'm gonna say that i and but i i love you philip morris might be his last great film of what i've seen of his and I know it's this, like, that means it's been a while, but after this, he did start slowing his pace down. Yes, he also, um, um, he did do a few more films in the family vein around this. Time. Oh, um, like Mister Mister Popper's Mr. Penguins, Penguins is, is a nice, fun little family movie. Yeah, um, when uh, two guys at uh, the Vulture website of uh, the New York Magazine Culture website. Uh, back in 2020, they did. They decided to rank Carrie's major film vehicles, you know, bottom to top. And this, Mr. Popper's Penguins, got up to num- got as high as number nine. Well, I, I think that might be a little <laughs> high, but um... well, they make a good argument that, given that this is, you know, just this little family everyman role, well, kind of, he played often enough that there's an episode of Thirty Rock where he is a cameo. Where he yeah. makes fun of these kind of roles, right? I would say though, I mean, when you get Clark Gregg and you use him, <laughs> use him well. Yeah, like Clark Clark Gregg is a freaking force of nature. <laughs> it, 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 he's tragically underused. I mean, Agent Colt Polson was yeah. was uh, you know he was he was able to inspire the Avengers um, and. Um, He's great in uh, the Sam Rockwell movie uh, Choke, yeah, in uh, which he directed. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Popper's Penguins. Is yeah, I'm like, almost sorry I missed that one theatrically because yeah, I didn't took realize Mom took me to see that someone, one. Yeah, who took you to that, see that? Mom. Oh, I thought it was much. Yeah. He can. I did. I was kind of surprised the movie leans way more on Carrie than I thought it would, given the concept. 
Well, it's using uh, using all his rubbery rubberiness, yeah. and um, and again, it's another film that shows how adept he is with working with actors or child actors and special effects and animals. Yes. Um, now, of course, we had Dumb and Dumber. I mean, wait. Uh, dumb, yeah, I'm sorry. Wait, you're skipping Incredible Burt Wonderstone. Uh, which I almost bought, but I think I saw that was available on uh, HBO Max. Yeah, um, it is. Sorry, as I say, the images are not necessarily matching yeah. the titles. Uh, Mr. Popper's right. Penguins. Okay. Incredible Burt Wonderstone. Cold Incredible Dead Hands. Cold, is- Cold Dead Hands gets its own entry on IMDb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the funnier die short. But, um, <laughs> Incredible Burt Wonderstone is interesting because it's something I've wanted to like more than I did. Oh, I mean, I I, I do mean it's to a watch good it. setup. I mean, you it's have Steve very, Steve Buscemi. I'm, I'm the problem right. with the movie is that Steve Carell's character is basically the focal point, and he's not as in, interesting or likable as the Buscemi character. Um, well, you and, do have in um, Buscemi Al- get shunted off to the side for long stretches of the movie. Well, I mean, you do have Alan Arkin. Looks like Alan Arkin's fine. And Carrie is really good. Again, you almost wish you wanted to see more of his character. Especially the the increasingly insane stunts the the Carrie character does are a hoot. Well, he's basically David uh, David Blaine. Yeah, he's David Blaine meets with with Chris Angel aesthetics. Yeah, uh, and he gets that down, and he gets that down cold. But mo- most of the movie has to focus on the Steve Carell character, so there it does kind of play like a waiting game at times. <laughs> I want to get back to Carrie swallowing a bunch of candy and then letting kids wail on him with pinata sticks. Work it up. <laughs> now that I'm going going through the. Uh... Like I see Kick Ass Two, and that I, yeah. I have seen Kick Ass Two, and it's not bad. I, I saw that. I fell asleep for a stretch of the mid portion, which I think says it all. Um, I, I, you see, I consider the original Kick Kick Ass to be like the best comic book movie at that time. Um, so, uh, Kick Ass Two, it. it I, I see the runtime has been cut down by about 20 minutes and like, yeah, it, it does drag. Um, mm-hmm. I trying to establish, basically it makes the mistake of trying to establish a whole new set of superheroes when it's like, and oh, Harry doesn't get much to do either. No, he, no, he gets to like, yeah, his, he's okay could, with what he gets, Oh but... yeah. But you could have totally done without his character in the movie. Yeah. Um, and after like, that, I haven't been able to get to Dumb and Dumber Two yet. No, I haven't it's, either. It's not on any of the major streaming services at the moment. Yeah, which is which weird because the first it's new... movie is on HBO Max. Yeah, well, it's a new, it's a new line, so you'd presume. Mm-hmm. So, but as I as I say, I ended up spending three bucks to get the number twenty-three. And after that, he kind of drops off for a while. Yeah, I haven't yeah, seen the Bad anchor- Batch or Dark Crimes, which are some more forays and more serious stuff he did. Right. So we're really just waiting on kidding and kidding uh, and yeah. Sonic, Sonic he just Hedgehog. took some time. He t- he took some time off where he was busy. You know, he was doing his, He was doing more painting and yeah. 
Oh no, he, no, the, 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 the some personal issues at the time he was working through. Yes, I mean the Trump Wait, administration. There is one thing after break for dark them. crime, dark crimes, which is a straight dramatic thriller where he plays a detective. And yeah. but um, but you know he was working through some things. He did do the lovely Jim and Andy the Great Beyond documentary during this point, time for Netflix. Yeah, and while Man on the Moon does not qualify for one hundred for ninety ninety year chill. Uh, Jim and Andy does it clocks in in about ninety five minutes. Okay, which is it's, and it's which is a, weird for I, I don't know. I was about to say it's weird, but I think we've come to a point where we're like trying to make sleek documentaries. I mean, after HBO Max um, mm-hmm. came around, and you have the likes of uh, Class Action Park, where it's like yeah. I see. I'm just so accustomed to. Um, you know, we're I'm a night, you know, uh 80s kid, 90s teen, uh Ken mm-hmm. Burns. Oh, Ken Burns electric football. Look, Yo, it, it, look it's 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 such a it's such a metaphor for life. You're just going on the <laughs> going around just jostling, not going anywhere. What? We're talking about electronic football. Oh, go get the get the hell out of my house! I have to use the restroom. So okay, yeah, no worries. And finally, I would like to thank you for this man, Jesus, this man who pursued me to the ends of the earth, who worked so hard to make us happy. Amen. Amen. It's just sometimes I want to cry when I think about how happy I am. I'm gay. You're what? Gay, 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 gay have been as long as I can remember. What do you say? I see a wiener. What? There's no wiener. Uh-huh. It didn't take me long to realize being gay is really expensive. So I became a con man. Cash or charge? Charge. Credit card fraud. I was selling bad tomatoes. Anything to make a buck. Maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. When I called all your references, well, they couldn't speak more highly of you. I cannot speak more highly about Stephen Russell. Maybe it wasn't the moral thing to do. You on the lamb again? You always knew me best. But I had no choice. Stephen Russell, you are sentenced to 25 years. My name is Stephen Russell. Nice to meet you, Stephen Russell. My name is Philip Morris. This is destiny. What the hell is that? Well, that is the screecher next door. I don't get any sleep ever. Did you pay to have the screecher beat up? Yeah. That is the most romantic thing that anyone ever did for me. We'll be together soon! I promise! How do you keep escaping prison? I have an early release order for Philip Morris. And you are? I'm his lawyer. We want you to be our chief financial officer. How big was this Christmas bonus? Pretty big. In July? Yeah, I thought it was weird, too. Jesus has a plan for you. Well, maybe this is his plan. Oh, that's Jesus on the other line. Is the gay thing and stealing something that goes hand in hand, or...? He's done a bunch of videos for the weekend. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you know, it really just comes down to the 
is bout, bouts with the hedgehog. Yes, uh, uh, which, the hedgehog movies, which I've only been able to catch the first one yes, so far. Yes, and uh, it's no Detective Pikachu, in my opinion. Which means, <laughs> well, the 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 thing is, it's not the. It's just not as solid a video game movie as Detective Pikachu. Like, we're still pulling him out of his world, turning yeah. it into ours. Um, it's like, okay, did you not remember Sonic 06? Like, <laughs> this shouldn't work. It does. I'm just saying it should not have. Um, and it's not necessarily Carrie. I mean, it's a great... Uh, you know, great uh, voice performance by uh, Ben Schwartz. Uh, James Marsden, like in Hop, can just work with um, CG like it's nobody's business. Um, I mean, if, if it's if it, the best thing about Sonic the Hedgehog, I guess that could be said about it is he's got to go fast. The movie goes so fast, the X-ray on Prime Video doesn't keep up with it. Like, um, and uh, I will say, wasted Neil McDonough. Mm. Um, and it does kind of trip its hurt itself by like the credits being the classic 2D style and like retelling the movie. Yeah, yeah. um, I forgot a lot of stuff, but it was, and um, but I mean. And another note was like, was Sonic's dialogue written in post? Like, I'll show this to my, I'll show this scene to my eight-year-old and just document his response. Like, did that truck just have a baby? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, an eight-year-old would say that. Um, Look, but the point is with Sonic, as far as Carrie's performance, oh, stuff, it's it's everything you want from Jim yeah, Carrey. I mean. Given that he was in his late fifties by that point, yes, uh, he's still he's still keeping it's it. It's almost up. like it, he never laughed. Yes, no, it's 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 Ace Ventura, it's Lloyd Christmas, it's yeah, it's um, it's Stan- no, I wouldn't say Stanley Ipkiss. It's The Mask. I mean, yeah. yes, it's everything that we love about Jim Carrey. And I, I I love the ending where he's gone <laughs> gone nuts, but he's like still um but with the bit the one thing that could be said about um sonic the hedgehog is there's just so many good movies that use queens don't stop me now (laughs) okay i mean you have Shaun of the dead um you like which is a great line it thrown in there after they accidentally turn on the the jukebox yeah why is it playing that it's on random okay david kill the queen what <laughs> that jukebox uh hardcore henry which i'd love to do on this podcast uh um uh game night is an underappreciated movie i think um i'm trying to recall does rachel rachel mcadams blonde in that one i'm just just think she does her best work in uh, in blonde. Um, we're talking Midnight in Paris, Mean Girls, mm-hmm. About Time, um, and then of course Shazam. So, 
which is really going to get interesting once Black Adam's released, I think. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Look at the, the possibility that Carrie might retire from acting and that, and Drew McWeeny was saying in one of his newsletters that I subscribed to that if these were to be his last movies, it would not be, the, it would be an ignoble way for him to go out doing, you know, these little kids franchise movies but i don't know i do i think in some ways that the the performance he gives in sonic the hedgehog there's such a vibrancy to it and it speaks to the fact that he just seemed to have a natural affinity for these kind of kitty villain roles going back at least as far as riddler and batman forever so we think about it, he's played a lot of kitty nemesis nemeses over the years. He's played the Grinch. He played Count Olaf in Series of Unfortunate Events. He, he's played Ebenezer Scrooge. He's played Doctor Robotnik. <laughs> yep, I mean, I I don't know. It's just kind of like like lots of great actors want to do a kitty movie villain at some point yes um, you know they just do and usually it's some of their best work and carrie did it over and over again (laughs) yeah i i don't know it's kind of like i think carrie a lot of it is just uh everything came uh too fast for him in the end like he he is he is effective effectively the last movie star i wouldn't say that because will smith came to prominence after him and johnny depp didn't become a global star until the turn of the millennium uh, okay he might Not, be one of just... the last, but i think he was the last comedy star that really became a big deal internationally well he's the last star who definitely isn't a twat oh that let's not use rude language everybody's got a skeleton or two in their closets and oh no no jim carrey jim carrey's probably gonna as i say is dealt with wrongful death uh but no i'm saying that is in like you say oh will smith came afterwards like really like i'd say after wild wild west i quit caring maybe Uh, you caring plenty of people didn't so you're saying people like I'm sorry I didn't see the box office on After Earth. Jim Carrey never bombed like Johnny Depp or Will Smith. I guess you could argue that in the sense that I mean, and I, and Johnny Johnny Depp it took him 20 years I think to get the affection that he get he received in a sense. Like we're talking 1984 is nightmare on elm street and what 2003 is pirates yeah okay so it nearly took him 20 years and i think everybody yes they love captain jack sparrow but i think by that point everybody like he was a cute he was the cute guy who could also make himself ugly it's good to see that he's doing all right now um i mean will smith was a phenomenon i i'm not questioning that but again like that mother lover could bomb (laughs) and 
I, yeah, as I say, I just quit caring. Like, I, I'm, I'm a, you know, Alex Proxius. But what what are you meaning by bomb? Because Carrie did have some major financial flops. Man on the Moon didn't do well. Neither did the Majestic. Okay, but you're going to have, but the critics were at least behind him. No, they didn't rally behind the Majestic. Well, no, but there's... Look, you put the Bruce, you put Bruce Campbell in something, you know, like it's smarter than than you than you think. You put M Night Shyamalan in something with Jaden Smith, that there there's no brains behind that. I you know, now 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 you're trying to tell me to watch After Earth so I can figure out the twist. Ooh, what a twist! Like. I, if if you're if the happening is going to be better remembered than after earth <laughs> i i think you you wore out your welcome um and as for johnny depp he made the mistake of like i gotta in a sense like i gotta transform myself into every role i can't be johnny depp and it's like no dude people come to see johnny depp I don't think they come to see you play, you know, like trying to like Mordecai should not have happened, man. And he starts the imagination. Um, so. And, and, and of course, I think there's also, you know, there were people who probably just wanted Will Smith to rap again or Will Smith to be a comedy actor. Will Smith made a lot of mistakes like, no, I am an actor. And it took him 30 years to get that recognition and he went and killed it <laughs> before he, he even received it. Um, so no. And there's been attempts on creating, um, I mean, they, everybody tried to make Angelina Jolie a star. I mean, and she's a star, but she's no superstar. Uh, and everybody kind of, with Brad Pitt, everybody kind of just like, oh no, this guy's a character actor who just looks good. That's what Johnny Depp should be doing. Um, so in the end, I guess Carrie's got the brains to know what he does well, and uh, and now thirty, close to forty years now removed from his rise. And we're starting that rise, say, in 1985. Well, if you want to look at it that way, yeah, four yeah, years. Right. Um, like, yeah, he's doing stuff, like, kidding. Mm-hmm. There's no way that's for his, for the casual fan. No. So, um, so yeah, it's like, um he know he know, he he he's to the point where he's just doing what he like and uh the trump administration was good for him because he didn't have to work that much all he had to do was go and paint <laughs> um so yeah it'd be sad i think if he well and that's just one thing like like we say oh well at least he's ending on a good note with dr robotnik and it's like it's it's kind of it's kind of tough that we're like yeah you know with acting it's not a career that you necessarily retire from well as drew mcqueenie wrote he's probably 
willing to do something if it has the right script. But he doesn't want to keep working just for paychecks or for the sake of working. Yeah, I I, I get that. But I'm just saying it's like coming from, I don't know how well your, your mutual funds do. And mine is tanking right now. Um, <laughs> retire, you know, retirement's something to envy, I guess. But that's the stress of being a celebrity. It's like, come on, Peter O'Toole. <laughs> You got you got to keep busy enough to get that lifetime achievement Academy Award. Um, I guess you could say that same thing about Harrison Ford. It's like, well, Harrison Ford, I guess, has just fallen into the. Well, oh, geez, I'm just so old. I'm over it now. I can I can chuckle. And with that said, Crystal Skull is an underrated movie. Sorry. I mean, you know, can't uh, haven't 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 brought up Marty Skrull, the wrestler. Haven't brought up Woody Allen. Yeah, I've called Johnny Depp a twat, but <laughs> need some controversy on this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> South Park, Ben and Trey don't know what they're talking about when it comes to George Lucas. <laughs> Butters knows what he's talking about. Which, again, now after resubscribing to uh, stars for this podcast, it's like, eh, maybe I got to suck it up and buy and try Paramount Plus just for, what is it, Beavis and Butthead do the world or the universe? Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Which, it, it, it seems so crazy it might work. And never mind, you got the streaming wars and all of the other specials for South Park. Um. So. So yeah, I mean, Jim Carrey's. You know, aside from. You know, he doesn't do well with the ladies. I'll say that. Um. I mean, the Lauren Holly thing. That just seemed a little too Hollywood. Uh, Jenny McCarthy, it's like, yes, I finally nailed that primo, you know, everybody wanted her thing. And then she went off the deep end. And yes, as then after that, like, I mean, but, you know, he's on his feet. I know he's got grandkids, I believe. Yeah, he has one grandson. All right. So, I mean, it's it's a good place to end. It's just, I don't know. It's just one of those, like, maybe it's me trying to be an artist that it's like, does it end? Or is it me just not having any success? So if C2E2 graces me with a panel, should I do it out of my bump? It it started there, and who knows? It might end there for Jim Carrey, and I don't think he'd be angry about that. On that note, why don't we wrap up? Yep. Um, so you can uh, 
keep up on everything the poetic critic is uh watching at letterbox.com slash the poetic critic letterboxd i don't know why they had to be so hip and drop that e it's l-e-t-t-e-r-b-o-x-d.com uh you can find me at cm darth on letterbox you can follow me on twitter the handle is at cat that's at c-a-t-b-u-s-r-u-s-s and I would prefer all your hatred towards this podcast directed there. Otherwise, give me those five-star reviews on your favorite podcast apps. I will return said favor. Let's screw this algorithm up. And if you want to be on the show, all I need is a movie, a director, an actor, or a theme. Just keep it to sub-100-minute narratives. So... If it uh, concludes its story before the credits roll, it can count. Um, so 74 to 99 is the ideal time frame. Uh, just send those suggestions to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. And I'm sure we can co- create some podcast gold. Uh, anything you need to add? Not today. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I don't know any more actors to pull out of my bum to get you on the show. Um, sorry, Andy Kaufman only did what? One, two movies? Four movies. Four movies. And uh, yep, all I could say is, quote, Ryan Reynolds from Deadpool. If I had a nickel for every time... <laughs> I thought about Bernadette Peters. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Stacia Marie Harden, for uh, being my inspiration and keeping uh, me going. And hopefully you're doing the same for everyone else that you touched in your life. And uh, thanks again to the Poetic Critic for coming on the show. You're welcome. All right. And with that, um, we'll just go and do the ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba. Duran. And we'll close it out there. Just looking for the button. Come on, I am more confident than uh, Max. Can I hear a wahoo? <laughs> <laughs>